I want to just think about this, this chunk of the book of Ephesians. As I said, we're seeking to be a big family here, and it's amazing community at St. Saviour's, but actually we're wanting to actually go deeper and change it and deepen our community life and do all the stuff that Nay was talking about and more, and, and just be more relationally connected. As we seek to love God, love people, and make a difference, which is our vision, I'm going to say more about that in a couple of weeks. But basically, um, I don't know about you, but I really like getting written letters. Do you ever get written letters? It doesn't really happen very often. Nice letters, I don't mean like complaint letters or, you know... Um, <laughs> you know, student debt letters or something like that. I mean, I mean nice letters, and it just doesn't happen anymore. And uh, when I was going out with Bex, basically, she, she sort of, she, we were going out, and um, she said, I'm going to go to Brazil for six months. And I was like, gosh, that's really good. That's fantastic. Isn't that amazing? Inside, I was like, oh, I can't believe she's going. And um, basically, she wrote to me each week, I think, a letter. And I used to wait for it. And it was this yellow envelope with the airmail thing. And it said airmail on it. And you'd sort of open it with a knife. And it was that toilet paper, you know, that sort of funny stuff you used to get. You probably, don't, you probably can't even buy it now. And um, I used to read these letters. And I still got them. And they're, they're in the attic somewhere. Uh, this is a letter, this book of Ephesians. It's a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus. It's an amazing letter. And uh, we picked it because, as I say, we're wanting to explore community. And he basically talks about the importance of community. If you're going to get, uh, grow up in Christ, in your faith, mature as a person and be all you can be, he talks about the importance of the church and community. And so this is uh, why we picked this letter. And, you know, um, you... If you've read this a few times, you lose the wonder of it. Between verses, uh, I think, 3 and 14, it's one sentence in the Greek. Paul is like gushing uh, about God. And it's, he's, he's, he can't stop talking about how amazing God is. And he writes this letter to the, to the church in uh, Ephesus. And uh, I want to just unpack this. And I think if you had to summarize um, what he's saying, it's, these verses are so amazing. But actually, if you had to summarize it in three ways, you'd probably say, Paul would say, you know, if you, if you want to build a community, if you want to flourish as a person, if you really want to release the gold in you, actually, the first thing you need to do is keep God center stage. So he starts this letter, verse one and two. It's a normal greeting. He writes this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people, that's who we are, uh, in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from our God, uh, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, he basically, after the formal greeting, dear Mike, or whatever it is today, he, he goes for uh, God, and he begins praising God. Verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he, sort of, he starts with God, he begins with God, and Paul in his life models a life where God is kept uh, center stage. Now, I had, uh, I've got a car. This lovely old lady gave me her precious car when I got to England, and um, Basically, it's a 406, a Peugeot 406. It's done next to no miles. Uh, and um, I took it in. It needs an MOT. The guy said, it's going to fail. I said, why is it going to fail? He said, because you've got that chip in the driver's eye line. Uh, if it had been there, you know, on the windscreen. But I I've driven it around uh, for years with this chip on the thing. And it's right in the center of my vision. I see it every time. My, my first car had something like that as well. No one could drive it. I was the only person who could drive it. And I quite like the chip because it's kind of like a God reminder. He's right there. 
He's right there. But this nice man from Autoglass came last week, and we had a bit of a laugh, and he's mended it. So I've now got a new windscreen, which is all very exciting. But we need to keep God center stage of our lives. And I think that's really hard to do. You know, I am a vicar. Uh, I I live a life uh, in the church predominantly. It's actually quite hard to keep God center stage. And I think it's, it's emails, texts, buying school shoes, uh, the busyness of life, getting stuff done, whatever it is, looking after grandchildren, whatever it is. Actually, it's quite hard to keep God center stage. But Paul says, don't let God go onto the sidelines. Don't let God go onto the sidelines. Keep God center stage is the first thing he says. And uh, actually, it's dangerous, he would say, when God goes onto the sidelines because you'll have a wrong perspective on who you are your church, and your life. And actually, you've got to hold God central in all you do. And uh, I don't know, are you a goals-oriented person? Are you someone who sets goals each year? I used to be. I had a break for a while because I got a bit sort of too, too sort of, <laughs> uh, you know, too compulsive. I'm like a checklist person. You know, give me a checklist, I'm in heaven, uh, apart from when it becomes legalistic, which happens in the Christian life, doesn't it? So I thought, well, I'm just going to keep it simple. And over the summer, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to make a couple of choices. I'm going to keep choosing on a daily basis to make my life about him. That's what I'm going to do. And you could do the same. Keep him center stage. Keep making your life about him. Refuse to let him to be budged out to the sidelines. Or just when you're in trouble, go, God, I need you. But walk with him. Walk with him. And the other thing I choose on a daily basis is to make my life about other people. Uh, my family, you guys, people in the community. Uh, because this is what Paul does. Uh, he makes his life about other people. And when you do that, actually, you find your own life. That's the point. It's about sort of finding your own life. And so I encourage you to keep God center stage. And, you know, the church is so amazing. We are part of an amazing community because you guys actually do choose to put God first and honor God. And uh, there's amazing things that are happening in this church. We have the building works. This guy came in. There's a fund application. He said, tell us about the church. You know, it's amazing what's happening through everyone. There's, you know, uh, uh, the Syrian Cafe, there's uh, Street Angels, Healing Guildford, Youth Work, amazing Trekkers work, just extraordinary stuff happening. And so we are part of this amazing community. But we've got to keep God center stage. Is it just me? You're looking at me as like, it's just me. Is it just me who struggles to keep God center stage? Come on, be honest. Help me out here this morning. <laughs> Give me some, something back here, man. Um, You're not alone. Thanks, Pete. <laughs> but I feel it. <laughs> no, I um, no, so anyway, I'm talking to the autoglass man, and he, we have a bit of a laugh. He's a young guy. He must be 25 at the most. And I said, thanks for doing the windscreen. It looks great. And he said, he, he, I said, are you all right? He said, I'm really tired. I said, why are you tired? And I said, uh, oh, I've got this, this two-year-old daughter. She's amazing, but we just discovered she's got special needs. And... Uh, and I said, oh, well, we've got bring her along to uh, our Trekkers ministry. You've got this amazing thing. And I don't know whether they'll come, but I just thought, isn't that cool? Isn't that cool that we've got these things here? And we've got we've to gotta just champion this place, be proud of this place, because it's extraordinary. Um, so that's the first thing. That was kind of an introductory thing. 
The second thing Paul would say in these verses is, remember, God is grand and magnificent, and he initiates all things. God is grand and magnificent, and he initiates all things. Now, I used to live in New Zealand. Some of you know that. And uh, there's this famous tree in New Zealand called Tane Mahuta. I think it means king of the forest in Maori. And it's 2,000 years old, this tree. Uh, so it's, they think it might, might have been uh, alive at the time of Jesus. So it's an extraordinary tree. So I'm driving up north. It's miles. I go and see this tree. And you see, there's a funny path. And it says, Tane Mahuta, this way. And then, you said, come around here. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And you, you walk around this tree. It's just extraordinary. And I, I spent some time, it sounds a bit weird, it's, it, it, it probably, probably was a bit weird. But <laughs> I was going to say it wasn't weird, but it probably was a bit weird. I just stood here, right, just watching people come around. And some of the people walking around the path, looking at this tree, they're, some, they're just dumbstruck. Some people just burst out crying. And some people are like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. But you see, that's a tree. Amazing tree. But we worship God who created that tree. And he's extraordinary and magnificent. And he's powerfully at work in your life and mine. We might not feel it at times. Sometimes we're aware of it. Do you sometimes feel it at times? Sometimes nights like, and sometimes it's like, where are you? <laughs> but he's at work powerfully. And Paul uses a number of verbs in these verses, this holy poetry that gushes out of him, just to emphasize that. And I'm going to fly through them. First of all, he says, God's blessed you, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You know, we're blessed people. We're in a culture that sets us up to feel like deprived people. We don't have this, we don't have the latest Xbox, we don't have the right trainers, everyone at school gets a packed lunch or the school lunch. Um, you know, they've all got this, they've all got that, they've all got that. Uh, we don't have that car, they've got a better kitchen than us. Ooh, they went to Holland, well, they went overseas. And, you know, we can f- end up feeling, um, you know, uh, not blessed, but we're very, very blessed by God. And that's, it's, a, it's a verb that Paul uses. And you see, your life has God's favor and protection, and it's over your past, your present, and your future. It's extraordinary. Secondly, God's chosen you, verse 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You ever feel like a fell Christian? You ever feel like your life's a mess? Stop it. You are holy and blameless in God's sight. And I wish I could get that. I wish everyone else could get that, quite frankly. And uh, we're chosen. You know, have you ever been at school where you don't get chosen? Uh, You're not on the team or it happens throughout the whole course of your life. You know, you don't get chosen for partnership, or you don't get the interview or the job or whatever. And we can feel less than when we don't get chosen. But actually, um, God's chosen us. He's chosen you. He's chosen me. And he hasn't done that out of sympathy. He doesn't feel sorry for you. I was in the park the other day with my boys playing some football and there's there another boy. I just thought he looked a bit, I felt sorry for him. I said to the boys, come, see if he wants to play. Let's just include him. It's not out of sympathy God includes you. It's something he's ordained. 
and you're holy and blameless in his sight. He settled your destiny, verse 5. In love, he's predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace. You ever feel a bit, oh my gosh, what's happened to my life? What's going to happen to me in the future? What about my finances? What about uh, where am I going to end up? You feel fearful and anxious. God settled your destiny. And uh, he's <laughs> secured your future. You're adopted uh, into his family. Your future is safe and settled in eternity in heaven. We know what's going to happen. And it's good that we don't necessarily know the next years till Christ comes back. Because it would be really, really boring if we did. It would be so boring to know everything. He's freely given things to us, uh, uh, verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. He's given us grace, this Jesus, this God. And uh, it's hard to, to, to translate this verse, but the sense is, it's not like, here's some grace, or here's some grace. It's, pour, it's lavish. It's poured out. It's abundant it's all-consuming grace God has given us. And uh, grace in Hebrew is chen, charis in Greek, but it means, I like this definition, to bend or stoop in kindness to another as a superior to an inferior. To bend and stoop in kindness to another. It's unearned kindness. He's been good to us. We don't have claim on it, reason to expect God's kindness or favor, but he's chosen to be kind and gracious to us. And that delights him. He's not asking for favors, or he's not asking for lots of compliments in return. But that's the choice he's made. He's lavished things on us, verse 7 and 8. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace uh, that he lavished on us. Uh, He's made known things to us, verse 8 and 9, with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will. It's another verb. He's brought things into unity, verse 10. I won't go through all this in detail. He's included us in Christ, verse 13 and 14. So we need to, Paul would say, as he starts this letter, remember he's writing this in prison. (laughs) says, God's amazing. He's grand. He's cosmic. He's over all things, and everything starts with him. Everything starts with him. God takes the initiative. He's birthing stuff in your life and mine. He's done stuff in the past. He's doing stuff in the present, and he's doing stuff in the future. And we are secure in his hands. So we need to be people who learn how to receive from God. You know, what's fascinating about this is there's not a single verb in these verses that commands us to do something. There's not even a hint or suggestion that we have to do anything at all. No laws, no assignments, no homework, uh, no chores, no lessons. I like Eugene Peterson's uh, comment. He says this, We're born into a cosmos in which all the conditions and requirements for flourishing and growing up in Christ are not only in place, but actually in action. He's doing stuff. He's done stuff. That you're here speaks of that. It doesn't all depend on us, thankfully, and we need to learn how to receive God's grace. There's stuff to do. The other parts of the Bible make that clear. Other words of Jesus make that clear. 
But the prime thing is in the Christian life is to receive. And in our own strength and our own efforts, we can't do a great deal or make ourselves acceptable to God. Or That's why Christ has come and died on the cross. It's about him. So we need to be people who let God drive the car, is what I'm trying to say, and expect him to do all sorts of stuff. And, um, you know, I would just wanted to start this term with that reminder. We've got a busy term. <laughs> We're going to do a lot. But it starts with receiving the Christian life. And uh, often you're measured by your performance. You're measured by your looks. You're measured by your weight. You're measured by your car. You're measured by whatever. In this community, you're not measured. You're just loved and accepted and delighted in for who you are. And that's really, really important to remember uh, if you're to go on with Christ. So uh, the third thing I want to say then is that we need to honor Jesus in all things. Now, I've got this terrible thing. Uh, I lose my keys, right? Um, I've actually lost them already. <laughs> I thought they were in my pocket. That's not a sort of set. I lose my keys several times a day. And it sounds a bit funny, but it's really embarrassing, actually. Or I, you know, seriously, and the staff are sort of, staff team is sort of smiling, but I literally, I'll go, I come in, where are my keys? Or I have my keys, and then they vanish. And I just lose all sorts of stuff. I was uh, on holiday, had the passports, I thought I'm going to put them in a really safe place so that, um, so that if someone burgles, does anyone do that or is that just me? No, come on, who leaves them on the side? Who, any hiders of passports or wallets? Good, so we're not, I'm not completely strange. Um, and, then, and then I thought, I can't remember where they are. Which was funny for about five minutes. I mean, I, and then I spent the whole day of last holiday searching the flat, going through mattresses, going through all this person's stuff in the flat, books, everything, you know. And uh, I found them in the cornflake packet. <laughs> because we were burgled in New Zealand. Here's a top tip. And the copper said to me, I've never forgotten, he said, all, hide your precious stuff in the kitchen. Burglars don't look for that. So, but I wish I'd remembered that, but I didn't. <laughs> so anyway, we lose Jesus Christ. We lose Christ all the time. We just lose him and our adoration, our wonder, our glory, our amazement at his beautiful, courageous, servant-hearted, wonderful, glorious, amazing, difficult, perplexing, mysterious, gracious, kind, in your face at times, life, and we lose him. Uh, um, Paul, in these verses, he doesn't say, hey, God's active, don't forget that. He says, you know, it's all happened through Christ. You do realize that, don't you, he says. And so I've just highlighted in blue some of these same uh, verses. If you flick on, you know, all these things, I won't necessarily go through. He's blessed us in Christ. He's chosen us uh, in him. In his sight, he settled our destiny through Jesus Christ. He's given grace to us in the one he loves. He's lavished us through Jesus' blood. He's made known the mystery through Jesus uh, in Christ. And so it goes on. And so we need to be people who honor Jesus Christ. 
and who walk with him, not in us only Jesus Christ, but don't lose the wonder and the And he blessed us in so many ways, but his blessing at its heart is the gift of unconditional love and acceptance. And we honor him in the good times and bad. I know some of you have had a difficult season. I know some of you had a great season, but in good times and bad, we honor Jesus Christ. And Paul's writing these verses from prison. We know he's shipwrecked, he's beaten up, he's persecuted, he's imprisoned. (laughs) The list goes on and on. But he's a worshipper of Jesus Christ in the good times and the bad times. And um, I love what this guy, Frederick Buchner, says. He says, what's lost is nothing to what's found. And all the death that ever was set next to life would scarcely fill a cup. So we are... People then who honor Jesus. And he's at the heart of our community, which is going to go increasingly real and daring and courageous and open and vulnerable and uh, blessing other people and encouraging and loving and real and open and affirming. But it's actually centered, rooted, anchored, established in him. And at the start of this term, I would just encourage you, maybe today, to sit down and think about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Where is he? Have you lost him? I put my keys in my pocket. There's no place for Christ. He's center stage. Amen.